This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? It's a heat wave, Joshua. This is the the early stage in the pre-season previews where it's very hot in our <laughs> mutual apartments. Yep. And we, we respect the audio quality enough where I close the windows to shut out as much ambient noise as I can. So mm-hmm. if I if I pass out at any point during this recording, mm-hmm. it's because there's no more air left in, in uh, my apartment. <laughs> Yeah, my trick is to run the AC like like full blast for like the 30 minutes before we start recording and turn it off like the second we start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I've got, as, as, as listeners may be able to tell, I've got a little bit of a heat wave head cold too. So um, if I sound a little under the weather, I've just got like I'm a little stuffed up. So um, hopefully uh, it does not affect my analysis, Brandon. Your analysis is going to be spot on, and let's just forget the head colds. Let's forget the heat. Mm-hmm. It's heating up in many other ways. Preseason coverage for FPL is in full swing. Mm-hmm. We did our price predict- prediction pod, followed by last week's 10 questions that we have ahead of the new season. So if you haven't checked out our recent 10 questions pod, that's evergreen content, baby. You can go back and give that a listen. That's Here, right. we're going to uh, start our first of three team-by-team previews out of the Premier League season. We're covering the first seven teams alphabetically. What, we got Arsenal, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Brighton, Burnley, uh, Chelsea, and Crystal Palace up mm-hmm. today. And then we have two more episodes coming up where we'll hit the rest of these teams. Yeah, we used to do these as two-parters, and they almost killed us every year. It was like, it's, yeah, yeah there was just, it was too much content. It was, you know, it was just like, it was overwhelming, I think. And they tend, yes. they tend to be kind of long podcasts, so. Right. Um, so we're going with seven this time, um, and it's still like fair, you know, because the game launched so early. It's still fairly, you know, early in the season. So there's things like Zaha to Arsenal that are still up in the air. Um, but I think we can talk a little bit about what Palace would look like if they 
if they keep Zaha, what Arsenal look like if they have Zaha, you know, things like that. So we're just going to run through the first seven teams and give our assessment of those players, talk a little bit about player prices, um, talk a little bit about early fixtures as well. Um, you know, some teams like Arsenal have just like a really rough run of fixtures. And so I haven't seen them in like anybody's early season, you know, kind of squad, yeah. right? Yeah, um, right? You know, Bobby, I mean, Aubameyang had 22 goals last year and I have yet to see him in like anybody's team. <laughs> Nor his uh, younger brother, Lacazette. <laughs> it's such a great Though, it's such a great pair the instagram challenge mesut ozil again just like the hero of arsenal official instagram so either he he has a cousin who runs the the uh, social media channels for arsenal or somebody at arsenal believes that mesut is still an integral part of that team and I don't, we have a few questions about that But before we get to those team previews, we've got our house cleaning to take care of. First up, it's the Always Cheating Super League, our public mini league or a private, I guess, according to the FPL site. But it's the league that everyone, all of our listeners are welcome to join. We were more than 6,000 managers strong last season. We want even more this season. So if you want to join the Super League with other Always Cheating listeners, use code DTZ277 or just follow the link that's in the show notes for this episode on all of our social channels or go to alwayscheating.com for that. Speaking of things you can do at alwayscheating.com, you can use that to redirect yourself to our Patreon page where if you're a listener of Always Cheating and you like what we do, you've been listening to us for a couple seasons now, or maybe this is even your first episode and you're like, wow. These guys need some financial support. They need my thanks. We we would really appreciate it. Anything you can do. It's patreon.com slash always cheating. You can see in writing what you get in return for your support. But we rejiggered the tiers, the pricing structure uh, for you, the listener. Uh, Josh, you want to take us through the new Patreon tiers that we have? Yeah, it's really only one new tier, I would say. We have a new a new uh, kind of like entry level tier, and that's the Pookie Patron tier. Uh, and that gets you access to our private league um, and access to uh, our private Patreon league, that is, and access to the Always Cheating Slack, which uh, I think is just a uh, it's it's like it's such a respectful Slack, right? It's like it's like it's yes. like a, it's, it's very earnest and sincere and people share their teams on there. Uh, like people like really try to help make them better and like offer valuable advice. So um, I think our yes. Slack is great. Uh, the Lord Sir left here. You get everything that I just mentioned, plus access to our uh, one extra podcast a week, uh, which will be starting uh, probably in a couple weeks time. Um, Brady, you got a little vacation coming up, but I think I'm going to I'm going to bank a couple uh, Patreon Ooh, podcasts nice. while you're gone. Awesome. So. Yeah, awesome. and uh, Volkswagen, the Volkswagen tier, uh, the Sam Volkswagen tier, uh, you get access to our head-to-head league, and uh, you get a T-shirt to an always cheating T-shirt, uh, and then the producer tier, you get to uh, everything above, plus you get to pick a topic for the podcast, and you get a personalized thank you at the end of every pod. Awesome. So speaking of thank yous, we uh, just want to say a quick thanks to all our new Patreon supporters since we last podcasted. Coming in strong at the producer level, thank you to Blair Jacobson and Danny Evans at the Volkswagen level. Level. Leo Howell, our good friend, uh, he upgraded his membership to the Volkswagen level. We'll see you in the head-to-head league, man. At the Lord Sorloth level, it's Josh Seidel, Tim Hamer, Joseph Stern, Bronwyn McDonald, and Brian Connolly. And coming in at the Pookie patron level, thank you to Hank Ruff, Eddie, and James Harden. You guys are all uh, super fans, so thank you for your support. Again, patreon.com slash alwayscheating. All right, without further ado, Josh. Uh, we'll get into our team-by-team preview, starting with Arsenal. Shall we take a quick break and catch our breath? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> All right, Brian, we're back. We're kicking things off with Arsenal, the first team in our seven-team preview today. 
Uh, Arsenal have uh, a pretty crummy run of fixtures to start the season. Um, they actually have two decent matches to, to kick things off. Uh, Newcastle away. Newcastle still doesn't have a manager. Uh, and then Burnley home in game week two. Uh, but then they play Liverpool, Spurs, uh, Man United, and three of the next five after that. Um, I also think they have just like a re- – it's, it's like a step up into the season. I think there's kind of like a wait-and-see type club. Um, yeah. You know, the midfield in particular is just incredibly thin. Um, you know, Ozil is 7.5 million, um, which is just honestly too much considering the returns you've been getting from him. Like five goals, mm-hmm. three assists last season. He had four goals and nine assists. It's, it's a real legacy price. Based on what he's done yeah, the last right. couple of years, he should be around like six million or something. Um, so I, I don't, you know, obviously they need to beef up that midfield. I, I, you know, I think the Zaha thing ultimately will happen. There's just too much smoke around it for it not to happen. Um, right. And it's probably going to end up being some funky, like they're going to send players that way, more like an American style trade, you know, where they okay. send like like cash and some players. That's that's what I've heard at least. So, um, so we'll okay. see we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, so Alex Awobi to Crystal Palace is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, Awobi actually is one player that I think is a possible bargain pick at six million. Um, okay, three three goals and eight assists last season. He can't really shoot, you know, which which is a problem. So if he you know, but Ramsey was kind of like this too, where I feel like Ramsey was sort of a inaccurate, you know, slightly inaccurate player, and then he kind of put it all together that one season, like you know, four or five years ago. So I think that he is like a another like wait and see kind of player. Um, I think the defenders are priced to buy. Um, you know, I love Kashelny at five million, um, but again, it's like at some point, you know, like yeah, I just don't right. have any real desire to start off the the season with uh, with any Arsenal players. Really, what about you? I agree on the Koscielny pick because he's that type of veteran central defender who he'll probably be wearing the armband a lot if, well, they rotate the armband on Arsenal, which I do find strange, but he is, he is kind of the, the psychological captain when he's fit and right. he should start every match. Speaking of thin, they're also um, thin in the defense and uh, Mustafi had a legendarily bad season <laughs> last year. So yeah, I think a player like Koscielny uh, will be key. I just feel like Arsenal on the whole left uh, every Premier League fan with a bad, bad taste in their mouth at the end of last season. They kind of yeah. blew their shot at the top four. And in addition to that, got completely annihilated by Chelsea in the Europa <laughs> League final. So it's, it's, it's like, how did, it's, yeah. how did Emery, he, he had all this goodwill at the start of the season and he looked like he had them playing. And then suddenly it is completely evaporated. And now in the off season, um, it's hard to see what real moves they're making beyond, beyond this potential Zaha moved. And let me ask you this about Zaha. And I, you're a bigger fan of Zaha than, than I am. Actually, that's a loaded way for me to say it. Cause I just don't like him, but <laughs> I feel like Emery, Emery is tied to this idea that he's a tactician and he, plays systems and Zaha is a creative player of the highest order. Like I don't think he really fits into rigid systems. Is that a partnership that's going to work at Arsenal? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you need at least one really creative player in your team, right? I mean, even if you're working under a pretty rigid system, you need somebody who can just kind of make things happen, you know? And, um, I mean, you know, just Aubameyang and Lacazette can get so isolated sometimes, you know, and they're relying on, you know, Gwendouzi and Jaka and all these players to like, you know, th- like, you know, take them like, you know, through balls from the, 
you know, from midfield. And like, it's like, I feel like some of the, like the goals that they scored this year were not like patient buildup type goals. They were kind of like long ball type goals that, you know, Lacazette or Aubameyang matched onto. So, um, I don't know. I think that Zaha would be a really good fit. I mean, I also just think that he's slightly, I mean, he had 10 goals and 11 assists last season, you know, he's only 7 million. Um, I mean, say what you will about him as a, as a player, but I mean, as a fantasy asset, I mean, if you get double digit goals and assists, I think that's, it's gotta be considered a really strong season, you know? And, uh, And to do that and be back in the midfield and be priced at seven million, I mean, he's like he'd be a great player to have if uh, if that move goes through before the season starts. Yeah, I think the other bit player in the positive sense that jumps out at me is Burn Leno, priced at five point oh. I think that's an interesting price point for yeah. a top six goalkeeper. But yeah, as you say, there's really not much we had to do with Arsenal or worry about at the start of the season. It's it's just a wait and see of the highest order. Yeah, and I'm done. Mkhitaryan, I'm, I'm done with him. I just don't like. I don't buy it. He's too inconsistent. So, you know, he's he's a total non-starter for me. Um, and then Aubameyang yeah. Lacazette. I mean, you know, Lacazette's only nine point five million, and I mean, I, I feel like eventually, at some point during the season, we'll have these two players, but we're probably not going to have them for like the first seven weeks of the season. So it's not really worth talking about too much, you know, because um, I think that. You know, I don't know. If you start looking too far ahead, it just I think it just kind of throws you off a little bit, you know. So um, I think I, I really try to look only about four or five fixtures ahead, sometimes six or seven if I'm planning like, you know, defensive rotation or something like that. Fantasy aside, what do you think is the realistic target for Arsenal end of the season? <sighs> it depends on what their transfer moves are. Um, if they get Zaha... Is that enough to challenge for a Champions League spot? It doesn't seem like it. It's I also worry about them getting older too. Like, yeah, this feels like a season where they could finish like eighth or something. <laughs> you know, like right. the wheels could really fall off. Although I do think Emery's a good manager. I mean, I know they fell off at the end of the season, so um, I don't know. But like, can Aubameyang and Lacazette link up that well again? You know, like it was. I mean, you know, surely teams will start to yeah. kind of stop that link up from happening. You know, so. Um, yeah. Which which obviously Chelsea did, you know, in the Europa League final too. So, uh, yeah, right. Arsenal is just a total like non-entity for me right now. And I say that as an Arsenal fan, but I'm just, right. sort, of, I'm just sort of down on the club right now. Um, well, you, I, you, you, know, speak, you speak as if you are an Arsenal fan. I mean, this, this, is, this is the language of your club at the moment. Just sort of, uh, it's not even cautious optimism. It's just a forever downbeat. On, on I know. Guys. It's just, I, I feel like it's just cronky. It just starts with him, you know, and having no faith that he's going to like, ever build a consistent winner you know so anyway let's move on brandon that's that's a that's a grim note to end on with arsenal much (laughs) like they ended last season uh let's move on to aston villa okay aston villa the first of uh the promoted teams that we're going to discuss and they um start off with spurs where it's going to be a competition between liverpool and spurs who do you captain do you captain kane against villa or do you captain one of your favorite Liverpool midfielders against uh, Norwich. But after Spurs, Villa has a fairly decent run. Two home fixtures, Bournemouth and Everton, then Palace and West Ham before they get to Arsenal in game week six. So um, it's not all bad news at the start of the season for the promoted club. The real bad news here is that uh, Villa had a horrible defensive record in the championship. So we kind of just have to sidestep Villa's defenders altogether. Last season, they conceded 61 goals, which was the worst uh, 
goal concession record of the entire top half of the championship table. Mm. Now, in my research, Josh, and you know I do my research. Of course, <laughs> it was right. born born in the Tyrone Mings and then uh, Aloni Tanzebe, Tanzebe from Manchester United. They came in as late season loans, and they kind of helped turn the things around for Villa. But there, are, there is no news about Villa getting Mings and Tanzebe back uh, on permanent deals. So they could be back to a really crummy defense at the start of the season. If you wow. would get any any defender, um, I think my money is on El Mahamedy. You remember El Mahamedy uh, playing uh, for Hull City back in the day, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yep, I do, of course. So uh, last season for Villa, he was an evergreen starter at right back, but he's versatile. He can be pushed up into the midfield. And I know that you and I really like players that are um, listed at positions that are farther back than they sometimes actually play. So um, depending on what other moves happen in the transfer market, if there's any chance that El Mahamedy gets to move farther up into that midfield area, that's nothing but but good news. But priced at 4.5, that's really decent. He had two goals and eight assists last season. A lot of people are talking about Matt Target, who will play at left back, probably displacing uh, Neil Taylor, who you'll remember mm-hmm. from Swansea, but sure. uh, Taylor was playing there uh, in their left back spot last season. Target, um, I feel like here you kind of go with uh, if you have to get a Villa defender, you you go with what the club knows in El Mahabadi because he's proven and he has a chemistry already with his teammates. Right. Um, that that'd be where I would go. God, those 61 goals conceded, though, that is grim. I, you know, I actually have an Aston Villa player in my team right now. I think I have El Mohamedy, and uh, uh, I think he may have to go now. I think I may swap him out for a, uh, uh, for a Sheffield United uh, defender. Um, that, is, that is some grim data, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something up in the air is the goalkeeper situation with Villa. Um, this guy, Nyland, he was their number one goalkeeper, I think up until around game week 28 when he sustained an injury. Then the lovely named Jed Steer. I don't know if <laughs> players named Great Jed. Name. Mm-hmm. Um, he took over for Nyland until he got injured again. So uh, they're probably going to be duking it up for top spot unless Villa decides to sign another goalkeeper. But as stated, we we aren't really interested there. Where things get really exciting with Villa is in the midfield. Lots of really interesting options. You've got Connor Hurahan who's uh, priced at 6.0, a little pricey, particularly for a, uh, for a promoted club. But he is the action man. He had eight goals and 11 assists last season, and he dominates set pieces. So if you're looking for the midfield player at Villa that you know he's going to have the touches, he's going to be um, putting the dead balls into the box. He took twice as many set pieces as Jack Grealish did last season. So that's one way to make the case for Hurahan over Grealish. Then there's uh, John McGinn, who is the uh, the budget option at five point five million. He plays a little. He plays in central mid a little bit off to the right. Last season, he had an impressive seven goals and nine assists. But the uh, downsides are, are one thing we have to expect from McGinn is he is the tackles and interceptions man. So <laughs> okay. yep. say you're Dangerous. you're feeling really good. McGinn is is in your maybe he's first off the bench and he's got an assist. Guaranteed he's going to come off with a yellow card uh, by the end of that match. So <laughs> okay. um, yeah. he's got a bit of an issue with discipline. Then we get to Jack Grealish. Josh, just give me give me your uh, 
30-second pitch on Jack Grealish? Or, <laughs> well, or just what do you think about him? Yeah, promising young player. I like that he um, had a chance to move back to the Premier League last year, decided that he would stay with Aston Villa for one more season and try to get them up. Um, I like that he got punched in the back of the head and then scored in the game-winning goal uh, in a match, yeah. <laughs> match last season. Like, I like him as a as a character, you know. Um, yes. But as a fantasy asset, I'm not really um, – I don't know. I'm not really feeling it, especially not at six million. Yeah, six million does feel pricey. the The numbers, if you look at Jack's performance over last season versus a guy like Horahan, slightly skewed because Grealish was out with injury for three to four months in the middle point of the season. Uh, he, however, he was able to finish on six goals and seven assists. So there is po- a possibility that Grealish could emerge in some small window during the season as as like a flavor of the month type player. Okay. Um, the one we're going to have to contend with in terms of pronunciations, it's Hota, mm-hmm. spelled exactly like Wolverhampton's Jota. Mm-hmm. So he's come in with some fanfare and price to boot at $6 million. Um, What I don't like about Hota, though, if you look at his numbers where uh, at Birmingham City, where he played prior to this move, uh, since 2017, he's only scored eight goals for Birmingham. So he's not really a goal scorer. He's just big into key passes. He's yeah. an assist guy. That price is crazy. It is crazy. I, I think so. But if if you're looking for an assist guy, I think McGinn, I'm sorry, uh, Horahan, who is going to be on those dead ball situations, plus he's playing a little more centrally and uh, has a more of a nose for goal. I think Horahan is the pick over Hota. I was okay. uh, talking on the Slack with our producer, Christian Carter, and he is a big Villa supporter. And he flagged El Ghazi, who is a Dutch player attacking midfielder for Villa 5.5. This is Chris's pick for um, a perhaps under the radar bargain for Villa six goals, six assists last season. And he registered a shot um, nearly every 37 minutes, uh, which is a better rate than both Grealish and McGinn. So El Ghazi, if you are shy 0.5 to get the likes of, of Grealish or Horahan, maybe go for El Ghazi. Yeah. And he, I think he scored the game winning goal in the, uh, in the uh, championship playoff too, didn't he? I feel like that's one of the yeah, much two goals. much to yeah. uh, much to uh, Lampard's chagrin, which uh, we will be <laughs> talking about. Frank Lampard coming up here in a few minutes when we get to Chelsea. Um, yeah, speaking of goal scoring, though, Josh, not much to say about forwards here on Villa. They just the big signing they made up front was this um, Brazilian twenty-two-year-old guy Wesley, priced at six million. Um, he comes from Bruges in Belgium. And he has not managed to score more than 10 goals in a season, even in the Belgian league for uh, a top club there. So his goal scoring record is unproven. And I feel like teams such as Villa promoted sides that really are only going to succeed based on um, just a cohesive team performance. I, I don't have any space for a guy like Wesley. Okay. So it's stay away from the defense. Most likely, uh, consider the midfield and stay away from Wesley. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess, I yeah. guess the three, the three picks I'd throw at you would be El Mahomedy in defense, Horahan or El Ghazi in the midfield. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Like it's, um, I, I don't know why they're, maybe it's because Aston Villa was in the Premier League for a long time or something, but um, I don't know why these prices seem like the prices of like a. Not like a promoted team, right? Don't they seem like they're like a little high? For, it's very uh, bor- yeah. Bournemouthy. I feel like I'm getting Bournemouth vibes from these prices, which yeah. of course is our next, the next team. team. Yeah. Bournemouth, 
great start to the season. Uh, one bad fixture of Man City at home in game week three. Um, and even that is at home. So it's not like you know, the, the players you would have are not unplayable for that match. Uh, but they play uh, two promoted teams to kick off the season, Sheffield United and Aston Villa, um, and Leicester, Everton, Southampton, West Ham. So, you know, Bournemouth is, we all kind of know the story at this point. Um, the defense is um, like pretty consistently a disaster. You know, it's just their their style of play. I mean, that's why people like to watch Bournemouth, you know, <laughs> like they're yeah, sort of, right. um, they're, you know, really attacking team, really fun to watch. And they win a lot of games. They play the three. right way, Josh. <laughs> well, they play the fun way. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, and so uh, you know, there's talk right now that uh, that Ake may may leave this this uh, off season. Um, possibly the, go to Manchester, to Manchester City. City. Can you can you believe that rumor? I mean, he's a great player. I mean, a very, very extremely good player. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then would he even start? Is he like he'd be like third string? Oh no probably. way! No, yeah. no way! Um, yeah. it's a strange one. I feel like Ake looked like a great player when he was on loan at Bournemouth from Chelsea, and then when he became a permanent signing for Bournemouth, maybe it just coincides with not just a uh, all around defense at Bournemouth. But I, my faith in him has been shaken over the last two seasons. Yeah, and if he leaves Bournemouth, I mean that my faith in that defense will be non-existent. <laughs> yes. So, yep. uh, so let's move on to the players that are fun. Uh, we've got yeah. uh, Ryan Fraser, seven goals, fourteen assists last season, a massive jump from five goals and three assists the season before, an eleven assist jump. That's so massive. Uh, that's a breakout lived, season. That's what I call that. True breakout season. Uh, really fun player to watch. He's like five foot three or something um, and just, you know, runs around just like a little ball of energy. And uh, uh, I love Fraser. Uh, he came in a little expensive, um, you know, 7.5 million. It's a tough spot for, yeah. I, I mean, he deserves it, right? I mean, seven goals and 14 assists. That's, that's you know, it's a great returns, but um, I don't know. It's, is that price throwing you off at all, the $7.5 million? It, it absolutely is. I I had thought he was going to come in at something closer to 6.5, maybe 7, and that's more appealing. But Fraser, it's like a, I was uh, talking about dead balls with a guy like Hurahan. Fraser, you know he's going to have those touches. He's going to take indirect set pieces, corner kicks. You will – and that gives me somewhat more confidence than I'm getting my money's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but, but yeah, yeah. Com- compared to other players in that price range, just spending 0.5 more to get a player like Sigurdsson, who you know is on penalties right. and is playing on a team that is probably going to be competing for top six um, by the end of the Premier League season is so much more appealing to me. Yeah, you would think so. Although, I mean, I do think that the the fixtures for Bournemouth can't be ignored. Um, I think that uh, they're so good that uh, maybe it does elevate a player like Fraser. The one that I really have a problem with is Callum Wilson at eight million. Um, yeah. That is that is a very tough price, and I, you know, you can get uh, Josh King for one point five million cheaper for six point five million. Um, you know, King had twelve goals and three assists last season. I mean, he, in some ways, he really is the lesser version of Wilson. You know, um, Wilson had fourteen goals and twelve assists. Uh, King is a kind of—I feel like he's sort of been a late starter, like like a late bloomer the last couple of years. Where yep. um, you know, a lot of us had King at the start of last season, and um, it turned out that Callum Wilson was the way to go. And now you sort of worry that it's going to flip. You know, and that we're all that we're all going to have, um, you know, Wilson and that I guess we're I guess we're not, though. I guess we're all like we're going to fall into the same trap, aren't we? We're just going <laughs> to we're just going to have Josh King again. We got to hope that he 
is late season Josh King when the season kicks yeah. off. The the trap we're going to fall into is we're all going to get David Brooks because he's the cheapest, and Wilson right. King and Fraser are all going to come out um, like a like a barn on fire and be right. f- fantastic. That that is my worry. But with Josh King, don't we have? We're starting to build a pattern here with evidence. You said he was. King was a late bloomer last season. And the reason why we had him at the start of last season is because he finished the season so strong prior to that. Mm-hmm. So kind of like what we see with Richarlison, where he starts the season strong. And now we've seen that at Watford and Everton twice to where we're starting to see a pattern with him. Maybe is it we could say the same for Josh King. Yeah, you could just I, expect to him to come on stronger later in the season. Yeah. And is that like a, I mean, I, I wonder if that is like a real thing or if that, if it just feels that way, you know, is that like, I mean, do players really consistently like across the board, I mean, we just named two players, but is that like a real thing that some players are just consistently stronger? You know, Harry one Kane can't score in August. Is right, that yeah. part of the same argument? I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, a lot of it says, does uh, like smack of superstition or, or sort of like just uh, lack of gambler fallacy or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I'm just trying to create podcast content here. <laughs> so I think those are really the four players to talk about. I mean, I, I you know, I currently have Brooks in my squad. Um, I could see myself talking, I, I could, I could talk myself into Fraser at some point. Uh, it's, it's just tricky, you know, cause I mean like the Man City players are so expensive. The, um, a lot of people are don't, you know, loading up on expensive defenders this season. Um, and I, I just don't know if there's room for somebody like that, you know, um, yeah, somebody, somebody like right. Ryan Fraser. So, uh, yeah. it's, it's tricky, but I, I do think, um, at the start of the season, I will have at least one, I may have two Bournemouth players, but, uh, that yeah. seems like a bit much, doesn't it? Two Bournemouth attackers, even with those fixtures. It does. But David Brooks and Josh King, which I assume those would be the two players you're talking about. I think yeah. that could be a pretty popular combo just given, the price per points you're expecting and the fixtures that you mentioned. I, I don't have a huge problem with that. I mean, if I have one, it will probably be David Brooks. Yep. Yep. Same. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Or maybe I have no, I have no I problem know. with Josh King. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to Brighton. Uh, Brighton. I think maybe we can keep this sh- short. Uh, Brighton, I think generally as a club in the premier league, they're just running out of gas. We saw that with, Chris Hutton at the end of last season was just kind of throwing his arms up in the air like, what more can I do? I've gotten everything I can. I've squeezed every last drop out of this uh, this lemon that is, yep. uh, that is Brighton. Yeah. And fair enough. And I mean, are you are you at all wooed, though, by this run of fixtures that they start the season with? Watford, West Ham, Southampton, Burnley no. and Newcastle, five I, I, in the first six? I'm really not. I mean, I think that... Brighton are terrible and um, they really should have been relegated last season. And I don't have any faith they're going to be any better this year. Um, And so, you know, I mean, that's like the same thing happened last year, you know, where we all got sucked into having some Brighton defenders down the stretch and it just didn't work out. It was just a disaster. And the the team is going to look that different next year, even with the new manager. So, um, yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in Brighton. I'm really not considering them. Right. And the new manager, Graham Potter, who comes to Brighton from Swansea, it doesn't bode well because Graham Potter is trying to make himself synonymous with this possession based attacking football, which which is probably just suicide for Brighton. Uh, he, uh, that said, 
Potter did take Swansea to the FA Cup quarterfinal last season. They went up two goals against Manchester City before um, Aguero put them to the sword at, at, at the final moment. So that that is impressive. And I think we're all ready. If Brighton is going to go down, uh, let's have him go down playing some somewhat more exciting football. But that doesn't mean we have to take part in them as an, an FPL experiment. The biggest point to, the biggest thing to point out in the defense is David Button, backup goalkeeper to Matty Ryan, priced at 4.0 million, currently 22.6% ownership. Astounding. So, <laughs> is that an auto pick that, thing? Is that what that is? That's uh it's an auto pick thing or what it tells me is absolutely no one is fooling around with um goalkeeper rotation right, heading into right. game week 1. It's yeah. like let's put yeah. 4.0 bench guy on on the bench and then yeah. I'm going to go with my premium goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um I you know it'd be interesting to see if any of their any of their attacking players break out. I mean we had the the Pascal Gross season 2 years ago. Uh, last season he had just this incredibly stake-bitten year, uh injured a ton of the time. Um, he, uh, was getting subbed at like the 55th minute constantly. Like, I mean, I'm sure it was just like getting managed cause he was coming back from, you know, coming back from, from injury, but, um, he's a fantastic player. And if they do have him, you know, Potter, you know, is a more attacking manager, um, yeah. then maybe there's something there. I don't know. Yeah, I think that they're all appropriately priced. These midfielders like Davy proper, super cheap, gross 6.5 knockhart, as you mentioned, Murray, but there's really no upside with Brighton. The new signing that they've made as of this recording is left winger Leandro Trossard. He's a 24-year-old Belgian who comes to us by way of Genk. Okay. Scored 14 goals and seven assists last season. So um, I will look forward to watching him take the pitch. <laughs> I love all of the – I mean like Brighton, I, I will give them credit. They raid – random like random nation football clubs like like nobody yeah. else you know they're constantly mm-hmm. dipping into the swiss league or the belgium league um yeah. unfortunately it hasn't really worked out um i guess you know pascal gross came from the bundesliga but that's that's a slightly different uh yeah. kettle of fish you know so yeah i mean it's just looking at this team right now i mean glenn murray is going to only getting older, you know, and uh, Lacadia and Doan, those players had some moments last season, but um, I don't know. They're like, I guess they're a little bit like Arsenal. They're just kind of like a wait and see club. Like, so let's see if, yeah. let's see if the manager makes any kind of difference with that club. Total hit job on Shane Duffy with the 5.0 price tag. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We can no longer have him, particularly when Lewis Dunk is right next to him at 4.5. So Shane Duffy, it was fun while it lasted. Goodbye forever. Sad but true, Brandon. Sad but true. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break and we'll get back with our final three teams. Josh, let's take a quick minute for our good friends at fantasyfootballhub.co.uk. It is a virtual one-stop shop for all of your fantasy football news. This was started a few years ago, and the idea is so good that I'm still jealous that we didn't think of it ourselves. Uh, The site collects thoughts uh, articles, videos, podcasts uh, from all of the top thinkers in the game. People like Matthew Jones, people like Will Thomas himself, who's had a ton of, ton of he's got started the site. He's got a ton of great finishes himself, six top 10K finishes. Uh, it's got people like Adam Hopcraft, and then it's got uh, Ben Krellen too, the legendary Ben Krellen with a transfer spreadsheet. 
Become a member of Fantasy Football Hub. I'm just going to refer to it as the Hub, Josh. Become a member of the Hub today, and you can gain access to a ton of great members-only features. Those features include a new opted data tool, advanced fixture tickers, and comparison tools. It's a Rate My Team tool, all that great stuff. A handy preseason guide on how to win at FPL. As mentioned, Ben Crellin, he has a special FPL planning sheet right there that you can access. Over 100 membership articles a year, including weekly team reveals from top-ranked managers in FPL, become available at your fingertips at the Hub. And also, when you become a member, you get entered into the 5,000-pound members-only league prize. Uh, that is a huge, insane prize. It's, it's kind of insane. So become a member today. You can get 10% off your membership for being an always cheating listener. Head over to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always and use the code always when you uh, purchase that membership. 10% That's right. off. That's right. And uh, we'll see you there. Brandon, we're back. We're here to talk about Burnley. Burnley. Who doesn't want to talk about Burnley? I feel like I'm talking about Burnley all the time with my family, my friends, um, my my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I mean, everyone wants to talk Burnley all the time. You're burning for Burnley, Joshua. (laughs) Burnley is – the prices are good this year. Um, They're they're, they're priced like the sort of of bottom-of-the-table team that they were last season, you know, after the the one-off Europa League campaign. Um, The question here is um, Heaton, Pope, and Hart – all 4.5 million, but who starts? Um, Heaton did reject a contract extension, uh, and he's been linked with uh, Watford and Aston Villa and some others. So that Aston Villa goalkeeper rotation that we talked about earlier may actually, Tom Heaton may actually take that spot. Um, so yes, that will be right. that will be interesting. Um, I would at least consider having a Burnley defender to start off the season. Um, they have a very good fixture at home, Southampton in game week one. Uh, then a couple of tricky fixtures with uh, Arsenal and Liverpool. Uh, but then they play Brighton, Norwich, Aston Villa, and Everton in the four matches to follow. And um, I don't know. I just I, I, I just expect them to bounce back a little bit this year. I, I don't – it feels fluky how poorly they how poorly they were. And like you said, I think the Europa League was just a huge factor there. So, sure. um, yeah, so we talked about Tarkowski. We talked about Charlie Taylor. Tar- Taylor is the one that I would advocate for at $4.5 million. Uh, Dwight McNeil, uh, not cheap, uh, but yeah. he could still be worth that price uh, if he continues yeah. to develop. He is a fantastic player. Um, you know, I think I've said this before, but I, I don't know how much longer he's going to stay at that club because he is just he's, – he's a big player. He's just really dominant. Um, he, can, he can score from outside the box. Um, he's fast. Uh, so I think this season could be a great season for Dwight McNeil. I mean, you know, it's it's a hard yeah. sell at six million. If it was five point five million, I'd probably have him in my team to start off. Um, six million oh, yeah. is just that tricky, like extra point five. I agree. You talk about uh, Ryan Fraser having his breakout season last season and the numbers he had for Bournemouth prior to so like five goals and however many assists. Dwight McNeil seems like he is part of that select group that could have a Fraser esque breakout season. Yep. If if that is the case, then six million, yeah, is is kind of a bargain, particularly on a consistent club like Burnley. Yep. And uh the other players at that same price is Goodmanson, uh consistent but unspectacular. Three goals, seven assists last season, two and nine the season before that. Um and then they have two six point five million one dimensional strikers. Brandon, uh, your boy, your boy Ashley Barnes, who uh-huh. we've all uh, had did, good times with him. Sure, he cracked twelve, uh, tw- cracked the ten goal uh, mark last year. Had finished with twelve goals and three assists. 
Uh, nine goals and zero assists the season before. Uh, Wood and Barnes are both kind of classic old school center forwards, you know, where they just they just score a lot of headed goals. They're trying to score yeah. on set pieces in the box. Um, so they're not spectacular fantasy assets. I mean, they will get you 10 or 12 goals in a season, but um, I don't really like having players like that. Uh, I, I, Chris Wood had a slightly snake-bitten season. Um, he had a few injuries, and uh, I thought he played well when he when yeah. he was healthy. So um, yep. Wood is the one player that I would I would consider. Wood is a decent target, man. And if we would take this Dwight McNeil lo- uh, logic to its natural conclusion is I think something that you didn't mention with McNeil is his ability to cross from the wing. Um, if you've got a target man like Chris Wood and he stays healthy and it's all working, I could see his output being better than Barnes this season. I I actually, if I had a gun to my head, your favorite threat to make against me, Josh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I would probably go Chris Wood to start the season over Ashley Barnes if I had to have one of these Burnley strikers. I know that's hard for you to say because he is your boy. But mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. So I don't think we need to spend too long at Burnley. It's uh, kind of same as it ever was. Um, the big question is who's going to start um, at, at keeper. And uh, if, yeah. it's, if it's Pope, uh, that is a four, 4.5 million option. And Pope would not be bad. Um, I think last yeah. year they were all 5 million, the keepers, and they were just a little too much to, to bring in. But um, I think you could get away with some goalkeeper rotation at 4.5. Pope is a classic shot stopper keeper as well. Like what everyone thought they loved about Fabianski last season was he's going to get his hands in the ball. He's going to get those save points. And yep. the same could be said about Pope. Yep, exactly. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens there. It does seem like Keaton might be on the way out, though. Yeah. All right, Brandon, moving on to Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, new manager Frank Lampard saying goodbye to the uh, very short-lived sorry era. Uh, it was uh, intermittently fun and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all remember where we were when uh, Kepa refused to come off the pitch in the, <laughs> in the League moment. Cup final. Yep, yep. Um, Chelsea starts off the season with an away match at Old Trafford, uh, which I mean, all the headlines here are just going to be about uh, Frank Lampard and all probably all the things that he himself has done as a player at Old Trafford. Um, I will make no predictions uh, as to what this team is going to look like and how they're going to play with Lampard. But the one thing that does stick out in in my mind is Chelsea's defense and just how um experienced they all are there's been no talk of of any of these guys agitating for moves so you you still have uh fpl legends like aspilicueta and marcus alonso who very well could be losing his spot to emerson and uh david louise and rudiger who's still out with um a knee injury or uh what was the issue yeah he had knee surgery at the end of last season so a lot of people are pegging uh, Christensen as a wild card for uh, starting the season with a Chelsea central defender priced to sell at five million because Rudiger will be at, still out for an indeterminate amount of time, still re, rehabbing that knee. Is that a cheap, easy way into the defense? Um, Keppa, as I said in our 10 questions podcast last week, Josh, probably for me is the best of the 5.5 million goalkeepers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would slot him above Hugo Lloris also at 5.5 because I personally still have a lot of questions about the quality of Spurs defense at the moment. Right. Uh, I thought you didn't really like Kepa though, either. Are you, are you coming around on Kepa a little bit? Well, I, I'm very fond of joking around about how Kepa is good for being three foot, six inches high. Uh, (laughs) He's very short. 
Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really gravitate toward his personality, but on the whole, I think 14 clean sheets for Chelsea last season, as I said, their experience, I think I like Chelsea's defensive setup. And if I'm trying to, if I can't afford to get a 6.0 goalkeeper like Allison or Ederson in, I think Kepa is next on the list for me. Yeah. I don't love their fixtures to start the season though. I, I think, there's some, I think there's some really, at least for clean sheets, I, I could see some really tricky ones. Uh, Man yeah. away, even Leicester at home, uh, Wolves away, Liverpool at home. I mean, I, I sort of see maybe two possible clean sheets and six um, from them to start the season. Yeah, it's that Norwich and Sheffield United match in game weeks three and four that really do um, stand out. So I, I tend to agree that Chelsea defense is something maybe we come back to when we start discussing our early wild cards. God forbid we all have to play them. But jumping into the uh, the midfield, uh, intriguing low prices here. Um, and uh, in the event that Lampard actually quickly solidifies what the lineup is going to be and that they actually are playing well, I think there are some real options here. Christian Pulisic, um, 20-year-old American from Dortmund. He uh, His stats from last season slightly skewed, not only because he was plagued by injury, but also the Chelsea transfer news hit um, in January. And so he was kind of slowly being phased out at Dortmund because of that and also because of the rise of Sancho, who was playing mm. in Pulisic's spot and was playing so well. So yeah. it goes it goes two ways with Pulisic this season. I think he's just uh, one of the scapegoats when Lampard um, can't get this team playing well, or I think he he earns that seven point five price tag. I mean, he, the fact that he's priced higher than both William and Pedro at seven point oh, um, I, I predict various double game week conundrums of who do I go for? Do I? Do I take the cheaper option with William or Pedro, who have always forever been rotation concerns, or do I go with Pulisic? I don't know. Yeah, and you know, just going back to our price prediction pods, you and I both thought he would come in higher than he did. I am at eight point five million. You had him at eight million. So, um, you know, I think that just just based on our kind of first impression, you know, um, I do yeah. think that I, I don't know how much of being Americans like sort of biases <laughs> us a little bit there, but I, yeah. I do think that he's a, a real player to, to watch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. These guys aren't going to be factors at the start of the season because of injury, but Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek. Lampard, is he's kind of started to make his name at Derby and uh, things that he's said in pressers that he loves to promote talent and academy talent. So he will be eyeing uh, Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek once they're healthy. What is most interesting to me in terms of what Lampard is going to do with the midfield is where is he going to play Conte and how does Jorginho fit in? So in Sarri's system, Jorginho... Uh, who is priced this season at 5.0, played farther back. He received the ball from the back line and started picking the passes to move the play forward. He was very ineffective as an FPL option. But Conte, through sorry, was made to play farther forward. And then we all had great follies with Conte uh, <laughs> last season where we thought we yeah. were going to make it work because he had a cheap price point and was yeah. intermittently scoring goals. <laughs> Yeah, four so, goals and four assists. Not not bad for a five million player. No, not at all. So I, I think if if Lampard thinks he's going to move Conte farther back, because I think the conventional wisdom is Conte's game is sitting farther back and just breaking up play, tackling, winning possession back, and then making the smart pass. Does that actually push Jorginho um 
farther up into the attack. And at 5.0, if that happens and Jorginho plays, plus he's on pens, as we saw last season with Hazard, not on the pitch Jorginho was taking and scoring pens, he could actually be a pick for our FPL squads. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I was sort of... Not a believer last week, but I feel like you made a much stronger case this time. So we'll we'll see. I have to. We'll see I have to. Th- thank you to uh, whoever um, brought up this conversation on FPL Reddit um, when we posted the pod. Uh, he wanted to talk more about us being down on Jorginho, and I think just having that conversation on Reddit helped to clarify some of my thoughts. Now, obviously, not having seen a single preseason match under Lampard with this team. We just can't say for sure, but I think there sure. are some intriguing possibilities. Yeah, I think uh, so the too. big question, though, of course, is uh, at at striker is Giroud actually a bargain at seven million, or are Tammy Abraham or Michi Batshuayi uh, going to be a factor? They're not even priced in the game yet, so we don't so know strange. how big of a bargain Tammy is going to be, or or Bats is going to be. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the deal is there, but if Giroud starts, and I. I I guess I do tend to agree with you, Josh, and that the start of the season isn't all that great. So Chelsea will forgive FPL managers. We have some time to get it right, to see what the lineups are looking like. I don't think Giroud is going to be a super hot commodity unless he comes out firing against Manchester United in game week one. Sure. But, uh, if we if, the bandwagon. Yeah. If we at least see that he's starting, I think that come around come to game week seven or eight i think Giroud might be an actual option okay yeah i'll, I'll buy that or, or whomever i guess wins the spot <laughs> uh, do, you have a, do you have a favorite on that list of strikers that you'd actually like to see yeah i like Bachwai. um i just like his i don't know i, I like his i like his pace i like his strength um I, I just see him as somebody who could be uh kind of ticks a lot of the boxes for being a good premier league striker you know and uh, he's done really well in limited moments you know um yeah. you know, scored a couple big goals for chelsea a couple seasons ago um came out of the gate really hot for uh for palace um when he joined on loan for i guess it was a half season loan um and so yeah so i'm sort of uh i, I don't know i just i just sort of like him and tammy abraham i i just worry about him because i think he's too slight um i don't I think agree. he is quite strong enough to to be yeah. a consistent Premier i mean he had an am- amazing season 26 goals for villa last year but it's like it's the uh, Dwight Gale effect. Like these right. strikers can be built for the level of play in the championship, which is high and it's it's physically right. grueling. But it's an entirely different ball game in the Premier League, and I agree. I don't. I'm not sure Tammy is equipped for that just yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think so either. So let's yeah, like, like maybe at like 25, he breaks out. Right. Uh, all right, Brad. One last club, Crystal Palace. A lot is happening right now at Palace. They could end up having like. 130 million or something to spend on players uh, this offseason. Uh, they have a great start to the season, but who's still going to be there? You know, yeah. um, you know, Millie came in at 7 million, kind of uh, just way. I mean, I don't know. He, he was he was good last year. 12 goals to assist, but uh, 7 million is uh, a bit pricey. Um, the uh, game kind of broke my heart by uh, pricing Gaita at 5 million. Um, <laughs> I don't really know why he's priced at 5 million. It does seem like 4.5 would be. <laughs> perfectly reasonable price um he had seven clean sheets and limited minutes last season um just kind of an odd one um strange and then we talked about zaha already um who knows it looks like he's probably gonna leave um so the question there is you know who benefits from that um you know i I 
wrote down here that you know I think Townsend could benefit from Zaha leaving, but does it mean the return of bad Townsend? You know, the like <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to make stuff happen, kind of. He has no one to pass to, so he just has to shoot every single time instead of only 75% of the time. Just trying to score spectacular goals, yeah, Yeah. instead of, you know, yeah, instead of just trying to be a consistent goal scorer. What about Jeffrey Schlupp? Does he benefit? I mean, he's been reclassed as a midfielder this season. I think Schlupp is at 6.0. I mean, that, no, 5.5. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's not bad. I mean, four goals and three assists last year, but. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not like, I'm not like feeling schlup as a midfielder. If he was, if he was a 5.5 million defender, um, maybe I'd be a little more excited about him, but, um, I don't know. I'm not going like, to blame you for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I feel like the rest of this team is like kind of a little overpriced across the board. Um, MacArthur's 5.5 million. Um, weirdly enough, Zaha is the only player who I think has a very reasonable price at 7 million. Yeah. Um, you know, Koyate at 5 million could be interesting. Uh, Max Meyer, I, I had no idea why he came in at five point five million. He had one goal and three assists last last year, and I guess maybe he's priced that way because they think that he'll be in a more advanced role or something. When you know if Zaha leaves, um, yeah. you know, so I, I, this is kind of weirdly high price. And then uh, the forwards are just a disaster. You know, you've got Benteke, <laughs> uh, Connor Wickham. Uh, you know, maybe Sorloth. I mean, I think he's on a two-year loan deal, so I don't think he'll be coming back. You got to um, recall that, man. We need you, Lord Sorloth. We need you. Lord Sorloth, come back. Please come back. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say that I'm really – I mean, the, the fixtures are good, um, you know, to start off the season. But I just don't really know who I'd have. You know, there's a little bit of talk that, that you know, if they don't replace, um, you know, Patrick Van Anhalt, like, you know, immediately, then maybe – like maybe Scott Kelly, you know, is an interesting option at four million. Um, or excuse me, Martin Kelly. Um, you know, Scott Dan at four point five million, possibly interesting. Um, but I just I, I feel like this is like a little bit of another wait and see club. I guess I'm saying this a lot, but um, it's just hard to know what this team is going to look like because presumably they're going to start spending this hundred million, right? Yeah, and uh, or at least I mean, okay, let's say they don't sell Zaha, they still have what like fifty five million or something from from um, Patrick Van Anhalt. So. Uh, or excuse me, uh, Aaron Wambasaka, not not Van Andelt, of course. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, I was so, going to say, what what news am I not reading? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so because I'm not really sure who the uh, uh, who they're you know who would replace uh, him you know to start off the season. Um, so I, I, I suspect they end up buying somebody. I don't know if it's somebody we'll want to have, but um, I think it's <laughs> uh-huh. a, like, a little too early to tell. Uh, Millie is like one of those players you probably have him for like a double game week, you know, 25 weeks from now. But uh, he's not a player that I expect to consistently have in my squad. Um, yeah, and then and then yeah, Townsend. So maybe Townsend is the one player to watch. He's cheap at six million, um, yeah. and uh, you know it's a good start to this. I mean, you know, Everton, Southampton, Aston Villa, and three of the first four. It's a it's a very strong start for Palace. So I I actually think I probably will have one Palace defender. Um, I'm just not sure which one I'll have yet. Um, you know, maybe I lean towards Scott Dan just for uh, just for you know. But I would expect to be a little more consistency. Sacco and it's it's all injury issues. Sacco and Tompkins are, I think, the natural starting central pair. But um, right, uh, let's see what are their prices. Both at five point oh. It's mm-hmm. I would say I might be okay with that because when the chips are down, say Zaha goes off to Arsenal or, or elsewhere, and they don't have a compelling attacking replacement. When the chips are down for Roy Hodgson, he does one thing and he plays defense. Right. So. Um, I, I, I do like the defensive shout. All right. So we'll talk more about them in the coming weeks. Let's see who they buy first. Brandon, that's the podcast. Seven Simple teams. as that. 
Yeah, simple as that. Uh, I thought this was going to be like a 30-minute pod. Of course, it's like an hour. <laughs> well, we do have some uh, pretty compelling teams to preview in our next episode, which will uh, cover six teams. Everton, Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester City, Man United, and Newcastle. Some humongous heavy hitters coming up for us to discuss. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, uh, just another reminder. If uh, if you enjoy what you hear, if you want to thank us for what we do, visit Josh and myself at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash alwayscheating. And, of course, a big thank you, as ever, to our producers, Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Carl Rasmus, Lini Granley, Chris Howell, Martin Savage, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, James Holland, Oivan Anderson, Jazz Binning, Brian T., Trevor Ingerson, Chris Carter, the Big Gaffer, Bobas Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, Andy Penn, Blair Jacobson, and Danny Evans. Welcome back, Danny. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Acast, wherever fine podcasts are found. And this is the time, the preseason. If you you can really help us and help other people find the Always Cheating Podcast by giving us a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you subscribe. Josh, you love the social media. You're always on there <laughs> dispensing wonderful wisdom. Mm, Where can people okay. find us and keep up with us on sure. uh, things like Twitter and so on and so forth? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. Instagram at Hail Cheaters. Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. You can email us with any questions, hailcheaters at gmail.com. If you missed any of this, you can visit the website, alwayscheating.com. And uh, if if you're hearing this before Sunday, the Women's World Cup final, good luck to uh, our women who will be fighting against the, the worthy opponent that is the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the tea, Josh. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I think we'll sign off. All right. Hail Lord Sirloff. Please come back. Yeah. Um, praise po- Praise Pookie. Yeah, praise Pookie. Anyway, that one. can't wait to talk about Pookie. All right. See you, Josh. See you, Brad. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.